0: Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson, a show that brings you regular interviews, tips and tools for building your business online.
1: Well, hello and
0: welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. It's great that you're here, great that you're part of the show and whether you are just starting out Uh, in e-commerce, you know, because everybody is in the mad rush now to be online. Or if you're like me, a bit of a dinosaur, been around e-commerce for a while, me personally, since 2002, which is a very long time, let me tell you. Regardless of where you are on the journey, the goal is very simple. to help you grow your e-commerce and digital businesses. And to do that, I talk to amazing people from the world of e-commerce. I get to ask them all kinds of amazing and wonderful questions. kind of questions that I hope you would ask if you got to sit down and have a cup of coffee with them. You know, you want to know the stuff that's going to help you, the practical stuff, the real stuff. You want to suck out their expertise and go, that's brilliant, but how does that help me? Well, that's what we want to do. We want to dig into the story. We want to learn the principles that can help us start and adapt and grow online. Yes, we do. Like you, I still run my e-commerce businesses. So I get uh, my notebook ready. I've got my pen ready uh, and we are good to go. Let me tell you now. Before we jump into it, if you are regular to the show uh, and you would like what we're doing and you haven't done so already, why not like it? Why not subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts? Give us a review. Give us a rating. Just helps us reach more people. Subscribe on YouTube or Facebook uh, if you watch the video version. And if you're regular to the podcast, you will know that we live stream the recording that's right we do a live sort of live recording of the podcast and we live stream that out on facebook and youtube as we record it so if you want to connect with us on youtube or facebook so you can get the podcast a week early you can interact with the guests all kinds of good stuff like that so come and check out the live streams now all of that said uh, this show wouldn't be anything without the guests right and uh, today is definitely no exception on this week's podcast we are asking is customer value optimization the real silver bullet of e-commerce? Oh yes, that's a cool title, isn't it? Uh, Customer rate optimization is typically seen as the magic pill that can make any business profitable, right, but it doesn't create conversions that, that are really beneficial to the business. So how do we turn our customers into repeat customers? That's the question uh, we're going to dig into, right, with Will Lawrenson uh, today uh, about the whole thing about customer value optimization and whether it trumps conversion rate optimization, which is a phrase I'm sure you will have heard many, many times, or CRO. Uh, is as it's known in the trade, um, but we're going to be talking about CVO, oh yes, customer uh, conversion value optimization. Uh, you're going to you're going to get involved in this discussion with us uh, as we're going to get into the whole idea about creating value uh, and post purchase experiences and retention strategies. I kind of get the feeling we're going to get into it all. Now, let me give you a bit of background about today's guest, Will. Will Lawrenson is a customer value optimization consultant uh, with 10 years experience optimizing customer journeys to convert more traffic into customers and retain those customers for longer. He is also the host of his own podcast. Oh yes. Uh, And the podcast is called Customers Who Click. So make sure you check that out because it is a great show. Okay. He also interviews guests from across the marketing spectrum uh, and is able to give you actionable insights that turn into growth. Sounds fantastic, right? So we are gonna do that. Make sure you grab your notebooks, uh, because I've got mine, I've got my pen ready. I'm still a bit analog on some of these things, not gonna lie, maybe you're like me, maybe you like writing it into your web browser, whatever it is, but get ready to take your notes. Of course, if you are not able to make uh, notes from today's show, don't panic, don't worry, because you know, you might be driving. So it's best to be safe. Anyway, if that's you, you'll be available, you will be pleased to know that all of the notes and the transcripts and the links and everything from today's episode will be on our website for free uh, for you to get access to and download. All you've got to do is go to the e-commerce podcast website, which is e commercepodcast.net forward slash 66 that will take you to this episode uh, and you'll get straight into those notes okay so ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 66 now without further ado uh, as I do like to say uh, without further ado let's bring on uh, today's guest Will welcome to the show great to have you thanks for joining us how are you doing hi thanks for having me yeah really good thanks yeah. Good. It's. I tell you what, Will. It's. There's two. There's two things going on here, which I quite like. Number one, you are a fellow Brit, uh, and and number yeah. two, you are a, a a British guy who has a podcast. Uh, so I feel like very niche, uh, if I'm honest with you. And <laughs> it's great to have you on the show.
2: Yeah, I know. I'd, uh, thanks for having me. I I definitely get far more many far more many far more Americans. I think on my podcast. Um, yeah yeah i've had had a few brits but uh i definitely get more americans coming to me Mm -hmm. for the podcast um either themselves or through uh through agencies and things but um but yeah it's good to chat to a brit
0: Yeah, it's always good isn't it i think like you we have a lot of guys uh and gals from the states on our podcast as guests which is great and i love speaking to our cousins across the pond And um, earlier on, we got a guest coming up on the show. She's from Canada, uh, and we get them from all over the globe. There's just something quite nice about speaking to a to a dude from your own nation, right? It's just it's nice. So welcome, uh, welcome to the show. So, Will, we are going to be talking about this whole thing, CVO, um, and not CRO. So, why don't you start off by explaining what we mean by this phrase?
2: Yeah. So for me, customer. Customer value optimization is all about that long-term approach you need to take. You know, obviously, everyone's heard the stat that it's well anything between five and twenty-five times more expensive to acquire a customer, uh, a new customer, than it is to retain uh, an yeah. existing one.
1: Yeah.
2: And yet, despite those that stat having been around for years, it still feels and we all like, know it, don't we? We, and, and we and everyone all, everyone, it,
0: everyone yeah. can tell you that stat, not the stat but if you go to anybody is it more expensive to get a new customer or keep an ex- uh keep an existing one they're going to tell you it's way more expensive to get a new customer we all know it right
2: yeah but regardless even if you haven't kind of worked it out for yourself you've heard that somewhere yeah right you hear people say and yet we still see a massive focus on acquisition mm-hmm. and and very little focus on on the retention side you know yeah. in a lot of businesses there still seems to be this attitude that if you can get someone through the door, you're kind of 90% job done. Um, They either like the product or they don't. And if they don't, they're going to go away. If they like it, they should come back. Mm. But it doesn't work like that. You know, we all know it doesn't work like that. You still, you've still got to put a lot more effort in, Um, partly to your retention efforts. You have to put more effort into that post-purchase experience as well. Yeah. Um so yeah, for me, you know, customer value optimization starts or, or where I start getting involved is that conversion piece. Um, because we want to make sure people are converting for the right reasons in the first place.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but then we want to look at right, how do we how do we get people to buy again and again? Or how do we how do we get people to stay as a subscriber? Yeah. Um and then for me, there's a, there's a few other areas that are not exactly monetary like financially focused. Um, you know, we just, we want people to leave reviews. We want people to leave feedback. We want people to refer friends, and those aren't necessarily financial related. So, you know, if you if you exported all your customers and just looked at total order values and things like that, you're not going to see that in there. Mm. But you'll find there's a segment of customers who are a bit more valuable to you because they've taken those extra actions mm. and and potentially driven indirectly, uh, you know, other customers, well, directly other customers, but indirectly more revenue for the business because they've left reviews, they've referred friends. Yeah. Even if they've only made a couple of purchases themselves.
0: Yeah. We, um, we uh, just to sort of interject a little bit here, listening to you talk, We uh, looked at this a few years ago in Jersey, and I never remember, there was this one instance uh, where I looked at where our traffic was coming from, and you followed the traffic to sales, right? How much sales came through the various channels. And so we looked on this, and there was one customer who liked what we did and wrote a blog post about it, right? And just wrote a blog post about her experience and how you know the product had really helped her and so on and so forth. And it was a beautiful blog post and I did not know about it. No one in the company knew about it. And it wasn't until we looked at the data, we were like, hang on a minute, there's an awful lot of traffic coming from this one link. And when I analyzed the value of that traffic, it was, and I'm not joking when I say this, it was in the hundreds of thousands of pounds. Because she had caught in her in her country, she was from a European country. In her country, she had she was she got ranked somehow on this blog post, which then led everybody to our website. It was the most extraordinary thing, and I I I, I wish I could say yeah. that was every day, but it isn't. Yeah, <laughs> but it it does highlight the point.
2: I had a, had a similar experience with uh, my own startup a few years back. Um, still very early stages. We had someone who. Uh, wrote a post in a forum. Uh, I think people... I can't remember if he wrote the original post or if he, if, if it was a comment in response. But he basically said, uh, this new company, Sport Draft, has popped up, uh, which is my company. Um, still early. like You can tell it's still early. But their, I think he said their UI is incredible. Uh, mm. The best in the market. And this was just coming coming from someone who... I think we kind of. I think we managed to work out who it was because I have a feeling his username was the same on Sport Drafter as it was on the forum, okay. so we were able to work out who that was. But it was just great to see that in this situation we hadn't even done anything special to that person. He just really liked uh, the experience on the website, and he'd gone off and talked about it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can't I can't remember now, but uh, I'm, I'm sure that resulted in in us generating a bunch of signups. Mm. Uh, and, and potentially some revenue obviously the business didn't last very long, very long unfortunately <laughs> it was a, a far more difficult space than i uh than i anticipated. never anticipated yeah yeah no, but um but it's just it's great like it, it's great for you as a founder when you see that that sort mm. of unsolicited feedback um and yeah like you said if, if you can actually work out where that traffic's coming from what it's doing and the value of it you can then you know that will guide you towards other opportunities as well. As I think,
0: yeah, totally, totally. So, how do we, how do we get, or what are some of the things that we need to start thinking about then, if we're sort of from where we are to, to wanting somebody to, you know to feel that good about us as a company that they write a positive blog post that they share us out on social media. And it might not generate the 100 grand, they might end up only telling 50 followers on Instagram or whatever it is. But how do we, How do? what's the process or what's the steps that or the principles that we need to think about here?
2: I think, I guess to put it quite simply, um, it's about making sure the person is kind of fully informed and buying for the right reason in the first place. Um, and they have a fantastic experience uh, during that person doing that purchase. Now, actually completing it, you know, it's oh, the website's easy to use and everything. I, I'll, I'll come back to things. Um, I'll just summarise quickly. Yeah, yeah, I no, agree. Um, they they have a good uh, fulfilment experience, um, it, it, whatever that means. You know, I guess you know, for, when we're talking e-commerce, that's receiving a package normally. Yeah. Um, and it, even there, it's not as simple as having delivery that's on time. You know, there's such a good opportunity to get that person excited before they've even opened yeah. the actual box that your product is in. You know, I know quite most most uh, businesses will ship in a fairly plain cardboard box and and I think that's all right. Um you can go a step further and brand up your own boxes and make them make the actual delivery box fantastic. But yeah. I think you can do enough by you know even if it's Delivered by Amazon, for example, people open that Amazon box, but then they see your package, and that is enough to make them go, "Okay, this is interesting." Like extra, you know, extra information, whatever. Think things on the package that give extra yeah. value and make people excited about purchasing. Um, yeah. You know, I, I bought some whiskey uh, a couple of months ago from from this brand that's doing a really limited supply. I think it was only two hundred and five bottles, and. I'm pretty sure it came in a standard kind of uh, rectangular cardboard box. I opened that up, and from there the experience was really good. Mm. You know, I, I'd never received a bottle like that. Um, most of the, most of the time, I receive it with you know packaging peanuts. Or um, at one one point, they came in this this quite solid plastic inflatable things mm-hmm. that are just you know really protective. But this one just there was something about it, you know, it, it was clearly, the packaging was clearly designed for a bottle, not just something that was, that would fit into a rectangle. Mm-hmm. And then it was, um, there was that kind of papery, like thin papery stuff, like light papery stuff, which is like quite, it feels quite delicate, makes you feel like there's something.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Even though it's really, really actually like quite soft and delicate itself. It makes you feel like there's something fragile and valuable in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then alongside it, they had some, some little leaflets on tasting notes and story of the brand and stuff. And it was all that stuff that made me go, wow, this is incredible, before I'd even looked at the bottle, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really, really focus on the on the fulfillment stage. Um, following up with people as well. You know, so many brands, the first time you hear from them after you've purchased, except the, your order confirmation, is – Can you please, like, how was your order? Can you please leave us a review? Yeah. Right. I can't, I can't think of many times at all where I've received an email saying, you know, a day or two after I've received the order, how is everything? Is everything all right? Did it arrive on time? Uh, Is your order there? Is it complete? Do you have any questions about it? Do you need any help? And, you know, that, that can be automated right it doesn't have to be you don't have to reach out with these things you just automate it in Klaviyo or something yeah and if I haven't got a problem but I see that email I go cool you're checking in on me yeah right that's good that makes me feel good if I have got a problem it gives you that opportunity to fix it before I leave a review
0: yeah and that's really
2: important that is
0: I just I mean let me just emphasize that point really quick just because it this is quite fresh in my mind, this, this whole thing with reviews and uh, customer service emails, getting that email out to them before you ask them for a a review is such a good thing to do, because, and again, just to emphasize the point, if there is a customer service issue, they're going to tell you in that email, not in the review that they then leave. And that's, that's important, right? Because so many of your negative reviews are really, in effect, they're they're customer service issues that don't actually make sense to put in your reviews. And if you'd have dealt with the customer service aspect of that, they wouldn't have left such a bad review.
2: Yeah. And you, you do still get a lot of product uh, like product feedback. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, um, let's try and think about Amazon. Amazon's a good place to look, you know, stuff, uh, a lot of reviews will say, yeah, I suppose it come, it'll be things like oh, it broke after a certain amount of time or, Sometimes you get this this certain piece wasn't included with it, right mm. uh you know something was missing from the from the package, so you've got a great opportunity to follow up immediately after they've opened it, find out that something is missing and fix it um mm. so actually a great example um i'm I'm in the process of trying to move um I ordered some <laughs> sorry, we were talking about this before we yeah, came. Heard- me. <laughs> I don't want to go into this too much because I'll, I'll bring it up again in, in a bit when I talk more about customer service and stuff. Um, I ordered some boxes and and um, and bubble wrap and stuff so I can start packing. And in the first order, uh, because I, I think there was some confusion because I bought a bundle thing like mm. a a one to two bedroom flat moving bundle, right? But I also ordered extra bubble wrap and i think as part of that because the package because the bundle came with bubble wrap i think there was they got confused about having two pieces of bumble, bubble wrap in there yeah, yeah. and then somehow a couple of other pieces got missed um maybe they just mixed up my order with someone else's i'm not sure but i got in touch with them they immediately dispatched what I'm hoping is the rest of the stuff. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got to be honest, I haven't actually opened the box yet that they, they've they sent it in, but I've got a new box and they set it, they sent it through via, um, I think next day delivery with a courier. Mm. Right. So the first the first one came like, you know, standard delivery three to five days or something. And I received it probably on day three. I think it was quite good. But they sent the follow-up package to fix the issue as quickly as they could. Yeah. Which, I mean, for, you know, I wasn't overly fussed. They fixed it, which was great. If it taken a couple of days to arrive, I wouldn't have been too bothered, as long as I'd got everything I needed. Yeah. But the fact that they sent it courier, like tracked courier, the next day, has pretty much guaranteed uh, a five star review, probably. Yeah. Um, unless these boxes fall apart while I'm while I'm packing. Um. But I have actually used these guys before, so I know the stuff's quite good. But you know, they've they've turned it from a Maybe a four-star review, um, which is still good, obviously, because just because they fixed the problem to a five star yeah. review, because they went that extra step for me with that with fixing that problem. So now even if I was still a bit annoyed that it didn't all arrive in the first place, the fact that they went above and beyond to fix it, that's, that's the bit which has fun. made me say, Yep, yeah, cool. Yeah. um and there's another brand actually uh that i want to mention games workshop i don't know if you know of it
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah warhammer
2: yeah. right i remember back in the days when i used to collect if you were missing a piece uh it could be basically any piece you would just uh email them or phone them up and say i'm missing this piece for this model what how, how can you help me what can we do they would just send you that piece right and if that piece was attached to 20 other pieces on, a, on a, like a plastic sprue, you would get the whole sprue. Oh, wow. Right, They didn't bother picking it off to send it to you because then they can't do anything with the sprue. they just send you the whole thing. Um, and Most of the time, you'd, you'd get it sent to your local store because you get it dispatched for free. Obviously, I, I was a kid when I was doing this, so <laughs> I, I, was, I was very, very conscious of those delivery costs as well. But that was absolutely fantastic. The customer experience there is saying, yeah. And, you know, to be honest, I, th- I, th- I think I even broke some pieces and said that to them, and they went, "Don't worry, we will just send you send you the new piece."
1: Yeah.
2: And actually, recently, um, I, I think I noticed this on a, in a Games Workshop uh, Facebook group, uh, like a fan a fan group for it. The top that topic came up about what happens if you uh, if you're missing a piece or or if you've broken a piece. And I think there were well over a hundred responses saying, "Yeah, they're really good. They'll just uh, they'll send you whatever you need. They'll just sort that for you." Wow. So I'm really glad because even though a lot of things have changed with that business, some things that people aren't so happy with, um, including a big upcoming change with their own streaming platform. Which, yeah, not sure on that. They, <laughs> it's they over my kept head, doing well, that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I know the show. Uh, I don't know about the streaming platform.
2: It, they're basically. It sounds like they're trying to do their own Disney Plus or oh, something okay. like for, their, for their own content, but it's, it doesn't seem to be going down so well. But it's pre oh. launched so we don't know but anyway it's great to see that they've kept up that standard of custom service yeah. and they're still just willing to say yeah don't worry we'll just send you the piece
1: yeah
0: that's really um, that's really good so so what i've got here in my notes will um the stuff that you talked about is uh, make sure customers are buying for the right reason uh, make sure they're fully informed give them a fantastic experience uh make sure the fulfillment experience is uh as we say the nuts. nuts. Um, and you know, follow up with them in a way that actually makes sense other than just, can you yeah. give me a review. Is yeah. there anything um, else there that we need to add
2: to that I, list? I realized I didn't really touch on the first bits. I started, I, I started off by summarizing, and then I just yeah, we started to to into which just is why I, it.
0: which is why I make notes because' if the <laughs> listeners you know the listeners are going go, hang on a minute, uh, we are going to come to those things. We will go through them point by point. but is there anything else I need to add to this list from your point of view?
2: Um, then there's just the the retention piece really how you follow up with people mm-hmm. right you need to you need to start segmenting your customers you need to understand who your good customers your bad customers are um you need to look at things like nPS scores reviews customer con- customer service contacts um you know use of discounts and things uh when I was in gambling um we in gambling they're really really good at this uh, at, at, we had so there was so many algorithms and machine learning in place to, to really identify who the good customers are, who the bad ones are. And you would see things like someone would come in, they would sign up for an account, not take up the welcome offer. And so they'd receive an email two weeks later or something with a an additional bonus on top. Mm. Then they would take up that welcome offer. But then once they've used the offer, they would just disappear. Yeah, Right? And then, you know, you've got people who'd fall into our um, kind of anti-lapse campaigns, which are, I guess like win-back campaigns, but we're trying to preempt it. Um, and again, like if, if someone was in regular anti-lapse campaigns, or if they just had multiple over a certain period of time, they would kind of get marked down in their score, and we would treat them as a, a lower value customer, which meant they got lower value bonuses. You know, if yeah. we did want to try and win them back, We'd give them, you know, a five or a ten pound bonus to come back, compared to VIPs where it's it can be, I think, a lot of money um, that we're we're willing to give them in in bonus cash. So, you know, that that was really good, and that's really important because, you know, if you look into this sort of data, you'll identify those customers who only purchase when there's a discount on, and they will wait for it, and they have no, there's no pattern outside of that to their purchase behaviour. It'll be when they receive a discount or they see a discount online, that's when they come and buy from you. And, you know, it's not necessarily to say ignore those, you know, not necessarily saying ignore those customers, but you might want to consider potentially not building advertising audiences off them, for example. Yeah. I don't want to get too much into that because I don't deal with advertising. I don't deal with that side and, and those customer how audiences. Do and you, things,
0: um, how do you, how do you, I can just, I'm just picturing, you know, you know, I'm picturing a friend of mine actually in my head who's starting their e-commerce business. They're going, well, hang on a minute. How do you what do you mean score them? How does that even work? Um, so when you talk about that and you're talking about, you know, segmenting good customers and bad customers, what is how would you do that? Just sort of two or three
2: top tips on how to segment them. Um so a simple way, I say a simple way, it's quite complex. But the simple way is using an app, um, which will do uh, like an RFM model for you. So RFM is recency, frequency, monetary. Mm-hmm. So your most valuable customers are the ones who score highly on recency. They've bought frequent, uh, bought recently Let me start again. <laughs> the valuable customers are the ones who've bought most recently from you. Yeah. They buy frequently from you, and they yeah. spend a lot of money uh, with you. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you've got customers who will who have just bought from you. so you know brand new customers, so their recency will be high. but if it's their first purchase, their frequency is low. yeah. and then you'll see but you might still see variations between high value customers and low value customers there. yeah, so that's where you still need to be breaking things down because you know previously i've I've even looked at it as your your people who haven't purchased from you, so the people who you know they've given you an email address then people who've made one purchase from you recently, Uh, then people who've made frequent purchases from you, and then people who've made like a purchase from you but not come back for a while. But at a basic level, that can work for you. But once you really start to grow, you do need to start segmenting more. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that's where you need to to be using a tool for it to to help you build out those segments and work out where your customer is actually falling into place Mm -hmm. as well. You know where they're kind of just naturally falling into groups, and then what the flow uh, between those segments look like. Um, uh, Yeah, absolute best is use a tool for it um, because it just plugs in your data, spits it all out, and then you can start analysing it, trying to understand it.
0: Um, Well, okay, so the R F M model is something to worth looking at there, and I like that. I do like that because um, you you recency, frequency, and the money side of things are really Someone asked me this the other day. What are some of the what are the three key metrics I need to measure? You know I mean, some of the key metrics I need to measure. Well, you need to yeah. measure, um, you know, average order frequency, the frequency. What's the you know the gap between the orders, uh, the average order value. How much are they buying? That's your monetary aspect of it. Um, and 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 obviously, how you put all that together, you've got your RFM model. And so I think it's a really a really smart way of doing it and just to just to clarify you there are apps there are, there are bits of software out there that people could use once they start to build up a bit of a customer database that will uh mine that data for them and give them that information
2: yeah um there are definitely a few for shopify mm-hmm. um I, th- I believe reveal by omni convert has a free plan um which will give you I think it will lay out those segments, and and I think there's a bit of an, a, a bit of other analysis it will do for you, such as um, how long between, you know, av- was it average time between purchase, yeah, things like that. Um, there's another tool that I was actually looking at the other day, but I can't remember the name of. Um, but yeah, there are a few a few tools. Yeah. Um, well, I just definitely it. You'll, you'll find
0: some. Yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. definitely find some and see what works for you. Uh, I'm sure if you really needed to, you could use Google um, Sheets for it, uh, if you're halfway decent at programming
2: spreadsheets. But you know, I mean, when I was working in startups, um, you know, we didn't have access to stuff like that, so it it very much was pulling the data from. uh, You know, we did have Intercom, which which was really useful for us at the time. So we'd or Mixpanel, you could build out those segments yourselves. You had to, but you had to kind of be looking at the data. Interpreting it a bit and then working out what those segments should be. Yeah. Whereas R F M model, you, you know, the tools you've got these days, you plug in the data and it will do it for you. Um, but spreadsheets, you know, they're still good. Uh, obviously, at scale, they start to slow down and become really <laughs> difficult. But Especially you know, Google I,
0: Sheets. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I I do, I do still like um analyzing certain seg, you know, certain bits, you know, segments of data in a google uh, in a excel doc just because i know that i can play around with it i can yeah use a pivot table or whatever just to say right what if i look at this metric and this metric yeah um and i remember doing that at one company um you must know europe car yeah yeah so i, I worked for one of their startups um in the okay. uh, like car club space so mm-hmm. a competitor to Zipcar um called ubico and yeah we did that analysis in in excel documents because we didn't have anything else and it we were finding out you know what are what are the best uh, bookings what are our best bookings mm. that are most valuable for us most frequent for customers and so we used that to determine what messaging should be and even though we positioned ourselves as you know you can book a car from an hour to a day actually we we kind of started moving towards a weekend or, you know, one to two days because we just found that so many bookings were more than 24 hours or they were kind of 24 to 72 hours.
1: Mm.
2: So by analyzing data, we saw our messaging was a bit wrong. People, you know, there weren't a massive number of people using it on an hourly basis. It tended to be, uh, or if they did, I, I, you know, I think on an hourly basis it tended to be about four hours, Yeah, but then the next step up was you know twenty four to seventy two hours, where people were doing you know long long bookings, yeah, yeah. either to have it for a few days in the week or book yeah. it over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um. So so that analysis really worked helped us work that out. Yeah. Um. That's a little different from the RFM segmentation. You. Uh, yeah, but it's it all still
0: reasons. useful. And like you say, just playing around on Google Sheets and pivot tables, it's amazing what you can find out. Um. Once you start to build a little bit of data, um, and just looking at the numbers, it doesn't have to be scary. Just Google. You know, go onto YouTube and look how to use pivot tables, and it you just choose choose some parameters, and it'll tell you what's going yeah. on. Um, I, I you do know. think,
2: I do think you still have to be good at interpreting data. Um, you know, if you've never looked at a spreadsheet before, never looked at any of this sort of data, and it's not your thing, you can have a go. But I, I do think. You can't always just look at the data and say, "Okay, that's mm. that's what it's telling me." You still have to look into, uh, you know, like causation data. I suppose I think it's the term. Um, you know, what are other factors which are influencing this data? What does it yeah. really mean? Um, and, and you and you can come to different conclusions. It's the same with customer feedback. You know, once you if you really if you take the feedback at face value, it's very easy to I think to misinterpret it. Yeah. But if you really think about the wording and how they've said things, you'll you really understand what they really mean by it and what their actual problem might be. Um and it, it can be the same with data. So um I'm not saying you have to go out and hire an analyst. I just I'm just saying, you know, just be careful with data. Um
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Keep it if you don't. I like to keep it simple, right, and just focus on a few key things, especially, like you say, if you don't know what you're doing. Um, I think that's right. Um, I think there's a big – and tell me what you think here. Well, there's a big move or a lot of questions at the moment about how AI and big data is affecting e-commerce. So you take someone like Amazon who has a gazillion transactions in their system um, and some very clever AI to monitor that data um, and to create all kinds of hypotheses and tests you know on that data and and figure stuff out which maybe the mere mortals don't have um and i was reading uh you know i was having on one hand i'm having these conversations about ai uh, and how that's going to be impacting e-commerce but on the other hand i don't know if you've ever read a book called alchemy by rory sutherland uh it's one of the it's a a, a really fascinating book highly recommend everybody to read the book it is a good book Uh, and in there rory talks about in effect alchemy or magic um, and how um and how the interpretation of big data is good but it doesn't have that human je ne sais quoi the the ability to to create magic um and uh, you you kind of need both uh was the, the basic premise and i thought it was fascinating i don't know where you stand on on on, on this whole debate
2: um yeah, I mean I I like data, I use it a lot, but yeah, there's there's still gotta be that human element. You still mm. gotta understand people and uh you know when I when I mentioned right at the start, you know, you want people converting for the right reason. That reason I think comes from from people and understanding people. Mm. And it's probably never gonna come out of data because yeah, I'm not sure data will ever ever tell you that. You know, you've got to speak to people, you've got to understand what their what their real problems are, what their pain points are, and make sure that your messaging reflects that. And at the levels, at the levels of traffic and, and conversions that most people deal with, I don't think you can just rely on a on a tool to iterate on that and test and learn because mm. it will just take, it will take forever. You know, Amazon can can probably do it. Google can probably do it with you know some of their optimizations and things. But I think for most e-commerce stores, um, it, you know, the data can help point you in the right direction with a lot of things. Mm. Um, but you've still got to you've still got to work out what to then do with it, yeah. and, and what the approach is. So you know, when you use data to work out those segments, for example, you know, an R F M model can build you out quite quite a few different um, user groups but it won't tell you what to do with them. Mm-hmm. It will just tell you what sort of stage that they're at and what sort of people they might be. You still have to work out how you actually approach each of those groups and what you do with it.
0: Yeah, and that's the human side of it, isn't it? I mean, I was talking to um, a startup company who's who've written some incredible AI, uh, and I was going through their, you know, what they were demoing what their product does, and I thought, you know what, this is bloody clever but for it to have any meaningful output um they were saying you're you're looking at about you've got to be doing probably around half a million in sales every month and so what that what that told me was it was really clever AI software but for that to work the rows of data it's got to have is beyond what most of us will be doing on e-commerce if that makes sense um yeah. it's beyond most of uh, those kind of numbers and so you you're gonna have to do a lot of this analysis yourself because there's not enough data to to create any meaningful ai out of it um and i quite like that i quite like the fact that it is still a bit human um and, yeah. and still a bit intuition you know based. I mean, I,
2: i've used some really good tools um I've, I've worked with a company called phrasing in the mm. past um who do ai copywriting um and Again, when I was back in gambling, we used them and we used them for, uh, email subject lines. Okay. And, and the great thing about it is, um, our, our copywriters or, or one of my team would write a subject line. Um, or you give them, you give them various criteria. You say, this is, I think this is the type of email it's going to be. So you'd say it's a promotion, for example, I think you plug in the offer that you want to give and one or two, maybe one or two other points. But you've also already given them all your brand, your brand guidelines, your tone of voice and stuff. So they've already built that in. Um, and then it will generate you about 20 subject lines for that campaign. And they can really vary. So some of them will mention the discount, some won't. Uh, they'll mention it in different ways. They'll include mm. emojis. Uh, you know, they'll mm. give you 20. I think they can do more, but generally we we generated about 20. Um but in order to really improve their model and get results from it, uh, you have to be sending. I, th- I think I think it was something like hundred thousand emails in just one at a time in one campaign. Wow, that was the minimum requirement yeah. to then learn. Because also the idea is that you actually use multiple subject lines in split tests, mm-hmm. run those, and then you tell the, AI, the the tool which like the results of each one, and then it would learn from that and improve. Yeah, but it means you have to have quite a lot of data for yeah. each of those that you pick. So even if you're picking five subject lines, I think they said the minimum split you want is about ten thousand per subject line. Okay. Right. To get so any, any meaningful data out of it, yeah. You can, you know, if, if you had fifty thousand on your list, I suppose you could use it because you'd just do a five-way split and just use it to optimize. But then it always means that. The actual winner, the the best subject line, is still only getting a fifth of the, of the traffic. Whereas the idea is really, you run that five way split, and then whatever tool you're using says that one's the winner. Send everyone else, yeah. the rest of your of, of your campaign uh, for the winner. So, you you do need quite a lot of, um, of data. But I, I actually interviewed the founder on my podcast, and one of the, he went on about how pe- marketers get too focused in the data. Um, and not enough on the the kind of human aspect and the, and the behavior aspect. But he said one of the really good things about this tool is, uh, and this I guess the same for other similar AI tools, it removes like personal bias from it. So what will happen most with most companies, I imagine, is you, you're putting together an email campaign. The person putting that campaign together writes a subject line, or they write two or three subject lines for for A/B testing, uh, and that's it, right? And it's it's still three subject lines that come from that person. So it's still their preference for how they do subject lines, mm-hmm. right? It's still, <clears throat> if, if you think about it, the, the the variation between those subject lines is going to be probably quite small because it's all come from the same person, with that same mindset, that same approach. Yeah, yeah, and totally. what happens is, he said, if you even if you have a team do it, what still tends to happen is, the person who talks the loudest the person who is the most stubborn and you know most i guess influential is the one whose subject line ends up in the campaign yeah right and the one who persuades him and says oh you know we have to do it this way i've i've done it before in campaigns this sort of style really works like right? those sort of subject lines go through so the the cool thing about phrasing was you know it, it takes away that bias yeah you can't you know, you shouldn't be looking at these subject lines and saying, "Oh, I don't like that one; we won't use it." You should be saying, "We've trusted this tool. We're paying a lot of money for yeah. it.
1: We've
2: plugged, <laughs> in all, we've plugged in our brand requirements and everything. So, mm. what it's spitting out should be what we use." Yeah, and I, I think, I think we tested it out the first few times with brand, and we said, "Here's twenty subject lines. It's 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 spat out. What do you think?" And brand would say. Uh, We can't use this one, can't use that one for whatever reason. And we'd use that to refine the model. Mm. But once it kind of got approval, it was whatever phrase he tells us to use goes in the campaign. Wow. No, no arguing with it because that removes the whole point of it.
0: That's where it starts to get a little bit scary, though, doesn't it? It's like it's um, it's full on. But again, for that to work, you've got to have the big data. Uh, and So you've got to have the tens of thousands. Um, but in the meantime, obviously you can still take the principle, but do it yourself. Create three or four headlines and split test. It's always a good thing to do. Um, but alas. Uh,
2: so, can I just make one point on that? I'd go for it. But completely agree. The important thing, though, is record the results, analyze the results, learn from it, and do better the next time. Right? Yeah. I think loads of companies. Do a split test and then don't really. And they, you know, they they rely on Clavio saying, "All right, this is this was the winner of the test, so send the rest of the audience this subject line." And then they don't really learn from it. They don't, they don't look understand at the why. Yeah. They don't understand why that subject line has won, or they go to the extreme and say, "Right, the subject line with a numerical percent discount worked best. Therefore, that's what we have to use all the time."
0: Mm -hmm. and it never gets tested again
2: you've still gotta yeah yeah oh you know it comes up a lot a lot in um, cro actually and and not so much in other places but you know they're always saying cro whether you have a winning or a losing test iterate on it yeah right learn from it iterate on it you know you might have a a test that gets you a 20 percent improvement in conversion rate have a think about it can you can you change that and iterate on it to get an even better increase it, you might not be able to work something out and maybe you move on um or if you know maybe if you're a relatively low traffic website there are a bit better opportunities but come back to it you know don't yeah. just move on to the next area and say right that's done that's now the the best uh move on to something else and that, and it's it just applies to everything it's not just CRO um every aspect that you're looking at, it can always iterate on things, you know, like, like I mentioned at the start, that fulfillment process, mm. how, how can we get the box any better? How can we make that experience better? How do yeah. we make the customer service experience better? You um, should always be looking to, to make yeah, it Yeah, always mixed up and change it. In
0: fact, we had, um, I'm feeling slightly, slightly self-righteous now, Will, because we had, a, I had a conversation this afternoon with uh, one of our designers about changing out the, the box and the packing slip on, uh, on for one of our companies and, um i think i described our packing slip as functional uh, it was just a list and i'm like what could we do if we just took that requirement out and just from a design point of view what could, how could we do this uh, in a way that maybe is a bit more beautiful and um and it's and, and you're right you know you, it's the constant iteration is is quite nice
2: uh yeah it's interesting you said like how can we just make this more beautiful uh I don't know what the product is and it completely depends, but the customer might want five bullet points. This is how to use this product Mm -hmm. or, you know, it it doesn't have to be beautiful. It looks, it's it's, everyone likes it. if It is beautiful, but really what the customer needs is a clear, clear guidance. You know, that's why um, manuals for electronic goods and kitchen appliances and things. Those are, those are never pretty, but, they generally do a good job of, mm. you know, a diagram. These are what all the things are. You know, number one is here, number two is here. And then you look at it and goes, number one, this is what this does. Number two, this is what this does. Mm. And you know you just get through a manual. It tells you exactly what you need to do. It's great. Mm. Right? Yeah,
0: so no, I think totally. It's, it's totally. It's, the, the more, but I've I to, i tell you what, I've noticed um, if I look over my uh, purchasing history, with e-commerce sites uh, of which I've, I've purchased from a fair few I'm not gonna lie. I, I try um, not to
2: do that too much
0: <laughs> I, you know' part of, I always say to my wife it's part of my job it's just research babe um, never goes down well but you know uh, when I look you know you can track the journeys of a lot of things you can go man alive the delivery companies have got a lot better you know the service they offer now is just chalk and cheese to what it was 10 years ago and um, yep. the packaging has got a lot better and you can see how apple i think apple was probably the first company i noticed to really drive
2: quality packaging
0: um
2: the first big one definitely uh, yeah. the, i i imagine there were small companies you know the ones oh, know, i imagine there were small companies uh, no but in apple the way we know apple they probably ripped it off of something yeah. <laughs> but it's
0: like um but, but it was the first one i noticed Do you know what i mean so you yep. notice the packaging getting better um, I've noticed the packaging materials getting better as well. Um, I mean, Amazon is still doing what they do with the boring brown, bro- boring brown boxes. Very hard to say. Um yeah. But I've noticed a lot of the, the the sort of independents are doing some really quality, like the whiskey you were talking about, some really quality yeah. stuff around packaging. The one area that I have yet to see any any real major innovation is the packing slip um and i i I don't know why that is the invoice yeah as in in your box is you know four packets of maltesers and a partridge in a pear tree or whatever it's just like a simple list and occasionally it's written on with pen where someone's ticked it you know as they've packed it and initialed it and it's just a very very functional document and sometimes it's on the back it's got our returns policy and um but yeah I, i i it's not a it's not a prophecy it's more like my observation will be everything gets iterated at some point and somebody will innovate somewhere and everybody else then catches on.
2: Um, it's not something I've, I've looked at really. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it's just a bit of the system limitations mm. for printing those sort of uh, like oh, invoices. Probably. and things. Yeah. yeah. Um, I said to our web guys, yeah. I
0: said, I said, I want to change the packing slips. So I want to do something a little bit different. They just went.
2: Yeah. <laughs> But I, I see what you mean you know if personally I almost never I never touch them um, yeah. and I never even take them out of the box but if I noticed something different about one you would and it caught my it, it caught my attention I'd pick it up I probably would double check the order make sure mm. everything looks correct but then you've got you've caught my attention with it it's now in my hand what other information can be on there yeah uh, I'd be I think there's great opportunities to use QR codes now, given the explosion yeah, in use of QR yeah. codes over yeah. because of the pandemic.
1: Yeah,
2: get a QR code in there. Don't even say much about it. That's what I'd be tempted to do. I'd just have a scan me, or something, or or even something more cryptic. Get people to get people to scan it. Get people to and then lead that to a, a good experience, but effectively extended warranty data capture yeah but in a in a nice way you know not just uh oh gotcha give us your details mm. but uh, you know you've caught my attention right now i'm going to scan this thing because i'm curious then you've given me some great landing page that welcomes me to the product or something and then says you know it could be a video from the founder or something oh, i'm liking this idea uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, i can see it evolving in your mind as we're talking uh yeah a video from the founder welcome to the company um uh you know extend your warranty or whatever by doing this or fill out this survey so that we can give you more personalized promotions or something and then start doing data capture
1: yeah
2: i think there's a great opportunity there
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think you're right i think there's something quite i remember um years ago virgin uh on their website did this thing where it it just had a button on their website it might even still be there i've not been on their website a long time it just had this button on their website which says do not touch do not push this button right and so of course the first thing you're going to do is push the button and it took you to a page where it was basically richard branson in a wedding dress it was horrific and they just had the title we told you not to touch that button right and it was just a bit it was a bit of a joke it was a bit humorous and I think you could almost tie that in with the QR code thing. It's almost like a secret type thing. It's like you've scanned it, we've not promoted it. You've only seen this in one place. Well done for doing something the rest of the world hasn't done. Here's yeah. what you you know here's what you get as a, a prize, you know.
2: But also even better, uh, you could change the content behind that QR code. You could, right? So all right, a lot of effort, but every week. You could just put a new video on, or you could have, you could even have one per day. Literally, the founder just going, ah, you're right, you've got to be careful with it because, well, you just have him in a great location. But you'd have him saying, like, oh, it's a, it's a lovely, lovely Thursday in London. Uh, just wanted to say hi to all our new customers. Um, so, yeah, you, oh, you could do it for new customers first. You could yeah. do different ones for your, your loyal customers. Oh, there's so much opportunity there. Oh, there
0: is, because you can personalize the QR code. There's no reason why every QR code printed is is not tailored to that customer. Do you know what I mean? So uh,
2: that I mean that might be going to a bit of an extreme, but I mean you could have you could have one page designed for new brand new customers who you've never seen before. Yeah, you could you could have that. like
0: different postcards with your QR codes on, couldn't you? So this is the yeah. first order of a customer. I'm just going to put the the first order one in their box so when they get that they go to that page and if this is their second order they go to this page and then they kind of get used to it and by the on the fifth one they get you know celebrations and champagne or whatever you know it's that kind of thing um uh, i'm making just making a note of this <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen you have so you you were here first when when this idea was generated uh and we'll see who, who develops it first me or will <laughs> And we'll come back in six months, uh, and we'll talk to you about the power of
2: uh, QR codes uh, Uh, in your your packages. There's so much you can do there, and easily, and easily. That's the thing, right? Like you said, have two. You could have two different postcards: one for new customers, one for repeat customers. Mm -hmm. To keep to keep it simple, uh, two QR codes go to different pages. One is welcome to the brand. Blah blah blah. You could leave that one the same for quite a while, just refresh mm-hmm. it every now and again. And then the loyal customer one, just change it up every week or month or something. Work out, work yeah. out what you're buying, what your buying frequency is yeah. and just refresh it so that hopefully people don't see the same video each time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you
2: could totally do something like that.
0: And that would and be really straightforward to do.
2: And once you've got once you've got the two sets of postcards done and the landing pages, uh, you know maybe you're changing the video once a month re-recording a video um there's a company called bonjour yeah do,
1: yeah do, do matt. matt yeah matt yeah, yeah. he's been
0: on the
2: show really great been guy you show, should check yeah. his episode yeah yeah. part of this is coming from the conversations i've had with them mm-hmm. where he says like don't worry about production value or anything take it on your phone like take that video on your phone on the yeah. way to work or on the walk or something you could do the same with these take a quick take video time. on the day Um, yeah Yeah, because
0: here's the top tip if you're going to do the qr codes those landing pages 99 percent of them are going to be viewed on a mobile so you you want to make sure that that page that landing page really sings on a mobile phone and not on a desktop yeah
2: right exactly i'd be surprised if it's not not even 99.9 percent
0: yeah 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 Um, it'd be some horrendously high
2: stack um, you'll, you'll get safe. that odd person you'll, you'll get someone like me it'll be someone like me who scans it copies the url emails it to myself and then opens it on desktop just have a yeah. look it <laughs> <laughs> for later. yeah that'll, you be, and me that'll both. be the 0.1 percent of marketers who are analyzing the pages
0: yeah you and me both but you and me both uh i think i'd be doing the same thing to be fair i would definitely be uh I'd definitely be be checked because you can do that. Apple have this thing now where if you've got a URL on your iPhone, it will automatically come. You know, you can click a button and it will come up on your Mac as well. So um, I don't have a Mac. But oh, do you not? No. Got, I tell you what you have got because I saw it in your mirror. You've got a really cool PC with a flashing like LED going around it. Is that right? Oh yeah,
2: yeah, I do actually. <laughs> uh, that was that wasn't even that wasn't actually a selling point. But I do quite like it. It's quite.
0: <laughs> it's very cool. That's the one thing you don't get on the Macs is the flashing LEDs. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. But um, don't get USB ports or something either, do you? Uh, you? You don't. Basically, you don't get anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really nice screen. Um, no, I'm a bit. am a bit of a Mac boy fan. I'm not going to lie. But um, uh, yeah, you.
2: <laughs> you do, do have you know to what? buy I'm,
0: extension hubs.
2: I'm iPhone, iPad. Um, I had a Mac. For work once at a startup. When I moved company, I moved onto a Windows computer, Windows laptop. Moved again, and then after about a year, we had we had desktops there. But after about a year, I said, "Look, I really need a laptop because I need to move around the office quite a bit." Mm. and They said, "Windows or Windows or Mac." And I was like, Do "You know what? Actually, I remember the Mac being really good." So I ordered that from the IT team, got it the next day, and literally within a couple of hours, I was like, "No, I can't use this." <laughs> I can't use it anymore. It's so different. And I've got, I've got Windows at home. Yeah. I've always had Windows at home. So I was like, this doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. What am I doing? Why am I trying to teach myself a whole new like, way of using a computer Yeah, just yeah. because I, I fancied a Mac? So no, I got rid of it within a couple of hours. I'm, either,
0: I'm the other way now. I, I can't, my son has a PC. He's got a laptop. And it used to be if they, if they bought me the laptops, I could fix them because I used PCs for years. Now I'm just, I I just, I get I, I get frozen, you know. I'm just like, I yeah. can't help you. I'm really sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I just, like, I I give them back to people. It's like, you just, Yeah. Like, um, I wouldn't know where to start. It's, it's as sad as that sounds. I have a very good friend. He's a bit of a PC nerd, and he's always showing me the latest thing that he's done on his PC. And I'm like, that's awesome. I've no idea what you've just done, but it's really awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, listen, Will. Um, how do people reach you? How do they get hold of you? How do they connect with you if they if they want to reach you out?
2: Um, so I've obviously got to promote the podcast again. I think you did mention <laughs> this. That uh, listen to the customers who click podcast. Um, that's a great way of hearing me quite frequently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, re- reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, Will Lawrence I think my pro no my profile picture hasn't got a blue background anymore. Um, but yeah, you'll, I mean, you'll see me. It's this yeah, space. So it's quite, <laughs> well, obviously, obviously linked to
0: you and your LinkedIn profile and to the podcast in the show notes, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it will be easy enough to find you. How often do you release uh, episodes on your podcast, bud? Uh, every week. So it's a weekly podcast and is it, yeah. uh, you, you have guests on the show, you're regularly chatting to guests about all things to do with marketing, right?
2: Yeah. Um, tends to be kind of new ways of thinking about things um even if it's something like ppc or seo it's someone's new approach or sometimes they're at least new to me because i'm not really in that space but yeah it's it's not um it's not five tips you can do right now with Mm your ppc account or anything like that it's more this is how you should be thinking about it this is the approach you should be taking um and this is guidance towards how you can do that yeah um and it really gets you thinking, and it's it's amazing how much crossover there is between all, all these conversations. In that, it, a lot of the time, it generally comes down to what does the customer want, um, and, if, and if you focus on that, yeah, you're you're going to start doing better instead of just focusing on what the, com- the company wants.
0: That you know what it's funny, isn't it? I was I was on a podcast yesterday, uh, and. Uh, I was a guest on a podcast it's always unusual when you're a guest you'll find this right you are a podcast host but when you are a podcast guest it does feel different right because you I I don't know if you're like me well I kind of feel like I'm in control at the moment you know it, it may be uh, fleeting it may be just totally illusory but at least I feel like I'm in control and so we did this podcast. Um, uh, with it with uh, Rory Cramner yesterday. He's such a good guy. He's going to be on our show at some point. And we called it toilet seat thinking, right? Okay. Because down by the side of my down by the side of my desk. For those uh, listening to the audio podcast uh, and not watching the video, I have now shown a toilet seat. I have a toilet seat in my office, um, and uh, we did this thing called toilet seat thinking. Uh, and it all came from a story that uh, a friend of mine told me, I wish I could take credit for the story, but I can't. And a guy called Rich Rising, and he told me this story, which basically went like this. He worked in a hotel. He was one of uh, a number of cleaners who cleaned the toilets in this really large hotel. And the hotel monitored customer feedback and the, the cleaner that got the best feedback won some kind of prize or bonus every month, right? So it paid to clean the toilets well and Rich won this all the time. I mean, no one could ever even come close to him. No one ever even got close to the customer satisfaction scores he was getting. And so, you know, exasperated, his fellow cleaners basically went to him and said, what is it that you do that we don't do? Because we feel like we've tried everything, but we just can't get close to your scores. And And he was And he's like, there's one thing, he says, show me how you clean the toilet. So they show him how they clean the toilets, how they scrub and how they get down and all this sort of stuff. And he said, now let me show you how I clean the toilet. And the one thing that he did was he went into the toilet, he turned around and he sat down and he said, I clean it from this point of view because that's how the customers see it. And it was just this real simple, and I don't even know if the story is true. Well, I'm not. I, I just, I just thought this whole thing of toilet seat thinking, I thought was very, very clear. And to come back to your point, this whole idea, everything just boils down to: can we see this from the customer's point of view? Yes or no? It's the yeah. most simple, simple advice. And we look for all these silver bullets and all these amazing big things, but fundamentally, it all boils down to your customers think
2: yeah yeah exactly i like that story I it's like great story. isn't it quite good I'm, I'm imagine it's not not true but uh, I, I imagine it's but not it's true a very, but it's, it's a really good way of positioning it um, it is it is
0: i did um, i did a big consulting i did a consulting project with a company in new zealand who i won't name but anyway i was working with them uh, and I, I basically gave them all toilet seats to sit on I, I had to do this thing virtually you know because we couldn't travel And so I said to the host, I want you to have them all sitting on toilet seats as we're doing this video. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. Listen, Will, uh, just to emphasize again, you have a podcast called Customers Who Click. Check out Will's weekly podcast uh, where he talks about all things marketing. You can connect with him on LinkedIn. We will, of course, leave links to the podcast and to Will uh, on the show notes, which you can download at ecommercepodcast.net. Well, uh, it has been an absolute pleasure, but thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. I have no doubt we will have you on again uh, at some point soon, probably to talk about QR codes on postcards. Yeah.
2: Thank, Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Brilliant. Thanks, Will. Appreciate it.
0: Wasn't Will absolutely fantastic? Uh, uh, of course he was. I mean, it's just sharing all that insight. And I love it when you get into these conversations like we had with Will and just ideas start to permeate and uh, and you start to just go down these little rabbit trails. And they're so super, super valuable. And for Will and for me, it was a QR code thing and thinking about packing slips. So let me know what it was for you. What was your little rabbit trail that you've got going on now in your head uh, as a result of listening to all of this. And hopefully it happens every week. And you know, we put out this content like Will does every week. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast from, whether that's on Apple whether that's on Stitcher, whether that's on Spotify, whether that's on Facebook or YouTube, uh, you can subscribe to the show and make sure you get access to all of the stuff that we put out there to help you grow your online business. Now for regular listeners of the show, you will know season six saw a slight change in our programming. Yes, it did. What we are now doing at the end of each podcast is we are doing a giveaway. Oh, yes, we are. And so this week's giveaway, uh, Will has been very, very kind and generous to basically give you his time. So for one listener, uh, you will get a free call with Will. And if you want to know more details about this, if you want to talk to Will uh, and pick his brains about QR codes or about anything else that he's talked about tonight, uh, head on over to our website, ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 66, which is the episode number that we have here. uh, And you can go and put in the details there and just check it all out on that page. It's totally free. Obviously, go check it out. You will definitely want to have a conversation with Will, such a top guy. And we will, of course, let you know if you are going to have that call. So a big thanks to my guest again, Will Lawrenson. Just a top, top dude. Uh, that's that's how we say it here in Liverpool. Um, his top bloke, actually, how we say it in Liverpool is like this: he's a top lad, that fella. He's great, him. Uh, and so that's how we would normally say it. But he's great, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure you like and review uh, wherever you're consuming the podcast. It just helps us grow and connect to more people. I will be back next week with some more amazing tips and insights and phenomenal guests. Uh, to do with e-commerce. All that's left for me to say is have a fantastic week. And I wish you continued success with your online business. I'll be back again real soon. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. You've been listening to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson. Join us next time for more interviews, tips and tools for building your business online.